the change. My name is Lily Mott and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you're receptive to feedback and want to do better. I hope everyone is doing well and I'm so excited that you're tuning in for this episode because this week's guest is Stephanie Hu and she is the founder and executive director of Dear Asian Youth, which is an organization promoting intersectional activism through their digital platform, grassroots organizing, and community-based advocacy. I am especially excited to be sharing this episode with you during Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, which is in May every year, and I didn't want it to go uncelebrated on this podcast. So, without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Stephanie Hu. Um, so my name is Stephanie Hu. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm 17. I'm currently a high school, uh, sorry, I'm currently a junior in high school. Um, and I'm based in Orange County, California. Um, I was born in upstate New York and I did move around quite a lot growing up. So, um, you know, I lived in Taiwan for four years and then I lived in China for five and now I'm here. Yeah. So primarily the work that I do, like, um, I do a lot of activism work. Um, first with Dear Asian Youth, I'm the founder and executive director of that organization, um, where I basically just look over its entire operation and make sure that like everything is going okay. And I'm also one of the co-founders and core organizers of um, this group called CUSC Against Racism, which is a group that um, combats you know racism and amplifies BIPOC voices in my own school district. Some other activism work that I've done is I am like I was one of the co-executive directors of the Women of Color Conference. Um, that was like a super amazing experience being able to host that. Um, some other things. I'm also the media director for a California based organization called Empowerment collective. And um, that one is basically just like championing our um, policy slate that has 40 bills um, that works to, you know, like, I guess, better the lives of young Californians. And I think that's about it for now. Well, welcome to the show, Stephanie. And that is definitely a lot to unpack. Um, So I first saw Dear Asian Youth on Instagram, and I'm super excited to be talking with you about all of your work. So Let's get started with first talking about Dear Asian Youth because it's becoming a huge organization with so many followers. So can you explain what you're working on with the organization and maybe what you're hoping to do with it in the future? Yeah, so um, Dear Asian Youth is a youth-led organization uh, centered around Asian activism. Um, We really began last April um, and um, it really started off as like a personal project for me because I do enjoy writing. I enjoy writing poetry. It really was supposed to be a blog where I could just like publish my own poetry. And then after, you know, like writing some more, I kind of figured that a lot of the pieces I do write were centered around my like Asian American identity. Um, So I kind of like realized that, you know, there wasn't this set platform or this set space dedicated to Asian 
in youth. Um, and from there, I was just kind of like, you know, why not make this a space not only for me, but for other people as well. Um, and then since then, you know, we've developed beyond just writing pieces and publishing that are on our website, but we also have, um, I think like 95,000 followers on our Instagram. Now, um, we also have a podcast, Dear Asian Girl. Um, we host events and, um, you know, webinars like two times a month. And we also have a chapter program. So we have over 160 chapters across 17 countries. So that's like a little bit of what we do. Um, our primary goal really is to educate people and to bring awareness to issues through a variety, like through, through various forms of media. Um, so yeah, that's just a little spiel on what we're doing. That is a great introduction to Dear Asian Youth, and I'd love to talk some about your experience in the activism space so far. So what are some of the challenges you've faced or maybe some of the experiences that you've had so far in your life that made you want to do this work with Dear Asian Youth? Yeah, of course. So um, we, I, we like Dear Asian Youth started in April because, you know, like COVID-19 really hit hard in around like March, right? And that was when um, lockdown first started and quarantine really first began, at least in the United States. And um, that was a little bit difficult for me because, you know, as like an Asian American at that time period, um, there were quite a few xenophobic remarks that were directed not only towards me, but also towards my family um, that were like COVID-19 related. And it was also just very difficult having to look at all of that in the news and not really having a place where I could like express what I was feeling and not really having a place that, you know, other Asians could express what they were feeling. Um, and in addition to that, it was especially difficult for me at that time because I actually don't live with my parents. So my parents actually live in um, China and they've been like, I, I moved to the back to the States when I was in eighth grade, but they have, you know, been living in China since like we first moved back from um, New York state. And it was difficult because I actually wasn't able to see my parents for like a year. Um, my mom recently visited, but she had to go back like it in like two weeks. And then I haven't seen my dad since January of last year. So it was like, you know, all of that combined with, you know, not seeing myself represented in the media or when seeing people like me represented in the media, you know, being portrayed in a very negative light in a way that, you know, wasn't fair or wasn't justified at all. And then really just wanting to have a place where it felt like, you know, we could connect with one another, you know, we could like share our stories and we would be confident that we were listened to. Definitely. Yeah. And that background, it does, it makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned how you experienced xenophobic comments directed at you at the beginning of the pandemic. So if you feel comfortable, would you mind telling me some about how Trump's rhetoric and that of his supporters impacted the xenophobia during the pandemic? Yeah. So I think a lot of like Trump's rhetoric, you know, in calling you know, COVID-19, like the China flu or like the Kung flu that, you know, people say like words don't matter. Like he was just joking um, and whatnot. But what that really effectively did is it put, it basically embodied like Asians as 
you know, the personification of the virus. Um, it directly associated Chinese people and people who, you know, looked like they were as of East, East Asian descent um, as basically like bearing COVID-19, right? Um, it really bore a lot of the blame on to, you know, not only like China as a country, but subsequently Asian Americans living in the U.S. And I think like at first everyone was like, oh my gosh, she was just joking. But like, as we can see from like recent hate crimes and recent incidents and recent shootings, you know, they aren't just words, you know, those like words, especially when they're being spoken by politicians who use very, very inflammatory language um, that can be very, very hurtful to communities and really skew the way in which a lot of people think. But I also think that like Trump's rhetoric isn't the only reason that Asian American communities are facing discrimination. I think essentially like there has always been this underlying xenophobia and this underlying racism against Asian American communities and COVID-19 really just brought it out. But like that attitude was always there. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I want to shift gears a little bit and ask if you could also tell me some about the model minority myth. I think it's something that's often brought up in activism, but for any listeners who may not have heard of it um, or just may not really be aware of what it is, it's definitely something important to learn and look out for. So could you explain that some? Yeah, so the model minority myth is this like false idea that um, Asians are essentially the model minority. It basically pits Asian Americans against other communities of color in saying like, oh, look at these Asian Americans. They are, you know, they um, are of like, I don't know, they're paid like high incomes. They are educated. They go to college. And for those reasons, like basically it's putting Asians on like this pedestal and saying like, hey, look, Asians are people of color too. Why can't the other communities of color do the same? Like, why can't the other communities of color, you know, be at the same income level? And it really pits communities of color against each other because like A, the entire model minority myth is false um, because what happened was um, essentially like only Asian immigrants who came from wealthier backgrounds were allowed into the U.S. So of course, like, you know, um, Asian Americans were going to be of higher income because they came from higher incomes back when they were like back when where they were in their own home com- home country. Sorry, I'm stumbling a little bit. But um, so it's basically just like this false ideology. And what it really does is I think it's a really big reason why there is like anti-blackness within the Asian community and why there might also be like anti, you know, Asian like sentiment in the black community and all other communities of color. Um, And I think it's really important that, you know, we as um, people of color understand that this idea is false and that it was created to pit minority groups against one another and recognize and try to try to combat that. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that background to the myth because I just didn't know. I didn't know that that was the origin. So that's really interesting. So hearing about these hardships being faced, particularly by the Asian community, what is the best way for white allies to show their support for the Asian community? Yeah, for sure. So I think um, 
Well, it really just starts off with like listening to the Asian community, right? And listening to what um, like we want and what we are fighting for. So something that I have noticed a lot is like people, you know, for example, with the Georgia shootings, they will share um, the names of like some of the, the, the victims. And from my research, like that isn't something that all of the victims' families want. Like a lot of them wanted it to be kept anonymous. So even something as like simple as that, as like, you know, respecting the community's wishes and um, listening and, you know, letting Asian Americans like lead the charge in kind of creating that change and just being there as like an amplifying power that doesn't speak over, but, up, but you know, like, I guess promotes their platform through your own platform. Um, that's, I think that's really the way to go right now. And I also know something that is like, we can all practice in our own daily lives is really reaching out to a lot of like Asian American friends and family. At least for me, I think that has been really helpful when a lot of my non-Asian friends have been like reaching out and just saying like, hey, I saw what happened in the news. Um, How is it? Like, how are you doing? Um, Just really checking in on their mental health, I think is a way to show that, you know, like we care and that um, we as a community want to do better. And lastly, there would be, you know, just, I guess, like voting people in who are, um, who represent diverse backgrounds, who can, who can fight for certain issues for certain communities is also a huge part as well. Definitely. And I love that last point because on this podcast, I love to talk about voting. So thanks for bringing that up. Any excuse to talk about voting, I'm here for it. Um, So I would love to switch gears. What is the best advice that you've ever gotten from someone? Are there any words of wisdom or anything like that that have really stuck with you? Um, So this is something that's more related to just like how to kind of, I guess, like, be a leader of an organization that I've always kept in the back of my mind. And it's to, I guess, like be very receptive to feedback and to always want to do better. Um, Because I guess like something that I realized and something that I guess was very eye-opening to me is like everybody has biases. Everybody, because, you know, that's like the environment that we grew up in, no matter what type of person we are, no matter what race we belong to, no no matter what culture we belong to, at the end of the day, we all have biases. Um, And having those like internal biases to start off with doesn't make you a bad person because, you know, you were surrounded in an environment where everybody thought like that. But what makes you a good person is the ability to confront those biases and to work towards being a better person, like deconstructing them. Um, and that's something that I think is like very valuable. And I think that everybody should take into account because I also think that helps a lot in the attitude of like, you know, not being defensive when we're called out for certain things, instead of taking it as like, oh my gosh, I'm being canceled or whatever. Take it as like an opportunity to learn and be like, you know, everybody struggles with this. Now I'm aware of it and, you know, I'm going to take steps to do better in the future. Oh my gosh, yes. I love that you made that point because I think it's a really tough thing to remember, but if you can work on accepting advice and that criticism, it's gonna make you into such a better person down the line. So thank you, thank you for sharing that. 
I have kind of a signature question that I like to ask my guests, and I'm super excited to get your take on it. There are lots of young people out there who want to create change and they want to make a difference. Do you have any words of wisdom that you'd want to share with these people who may just not really be sure where to get started? Yeah. So, um, well, I can like kind of give with an anecdote. So for example, for CUSD against racism, um, I saw, and I knew that there was like issues within my school district. I didn't know how to address them. I was like, I don't even know admin that well. How can I possibly ever, you know, like combat these issues in a space where I know that I'm not welcomed. And I know like historically that, um, students of color haven't been heard. And, um, it was really when like some other people started to work on like CUSD against racism. And I basically just like reached out to a bunch of different people. And I was like, do you know who kind of like began with this idea of CUSD against racism? Reach out to a bunch of people, found like, you know, the source of all, where it all began and connected with them. And um, it really is just like not being afraid to take the first step. Um, I don't think that like if you want to create change, um, you always need to like start a nonprofit organization or you need to like raise this many dollars or you need to do this and do that. I think it really just begins with contributing even just a little bit to like an organization that already exists. And that's a really, really great starting point to ask like, hey, these are my skills. These are the resources that I can provide. Um, and how can I help further your mission? I really enjoyed talking with Stephanie, and if you haven't checked out Dear Asian Youth on Instagram or on their website, please, please go check that out. I really want to highlight the words of wisdom that Stephanie said she likes to keep in mind, because I think they're so, so valuable. We should always keep our biases in mind and listen to other people's feedback for us. I think it's really easy sometimes to be defensive or to be scared of being canceled or of making a mistake but it's so much better to make a mistake, own up to it, and learn from it because it's going to make you a better, more thoughtful person in the future. You are definitely going to make mistakes, but what's important is learning from them because change comes when you're receptive to feedback and want to do better. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and you can follow Stephanie on Instagram at Stephanie with two E's dot who to get connected with her and follow along with her work. Also check out Dear Asian Youth at Dear Asian Youth on Instagram to see that content. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at be the change org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.